We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Geico presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate. Hi. So about the kitchen. Turns out when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. <laughs> Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here, and it's totally cool. Give me a call back when you get a chance. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. You are listening to Rotoviz Radio, a fantasy football podcast, with your host, Matthew Friedman. Hey everyone, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle of the Action Network and Rotoviz. Welcome to a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Today we are talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. In between the NFL Combine and the draft, I am interviewing beat reporters for every franchise, 32 teams, 32 beat writers, and 32 episodes. We are covering team needs, free agency, draft rumors, basically everything between now and day one of the draft. For this episode, I am joined by J.P. Shadrick of Jaguars.com. He's a radio and TV personality and writer for the team. In this episode, he talks with us about the team's commitment to the running game, what the pass-catching unit looks like now that the Allens, Robinson, and Hearns are no longer in Jacksonville, and whether Blake Bortles is really the long-term quarterback for the Jaguars. Before we get to the guest, I'd like to remind you that you can get a listener's-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotaviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the premium NFL content on the site, and it supports the pod. All right, let's get to the guest. Please welcome to the show J.P. Shadrick of Jaguars.com and Jaguars Radio Network. You can follow him on Twitter at J.P. Shadrick, where he provides up-to-the-minute news on everything to do with the Jacksonville Jaguars. J.P., thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Hey, good to be with you, and this is a fun time of year coming off of 
a great run in 2017 and a little bit of free agency so far. And now the draft coming up, it's a good time to be around the Jags. Yeah, a fantastic run last year. And uh, speaking of run, the team has uh, seemingly beefed up its running game even more with the addition of Andrew Norwell. They just signed him to a five-year, $66.5 million contract, $30 million guaranteed. Uh, how big of an upgrade do you think that is for the offensive line? And do you think that that means the team intends to continue with the ground-focused strategy it had last year? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a slam dunk. They're going to run the football. Um, they said that before all of this. And then you go out and get a first-team all-pro left guard and, and Andrew Norwell. Uh, I mean, the guy is a fantastic player, obviously. So you've got Cam Robinson at left tackle. You have Andrew Norwell, a first-team all-pro at left guard the highest-paid center in the league in Brandon Linder. Uh, I think they're going to be running to the left a little bit uh, here in Jacksonville coming up in the next uh, months or so. And that's okay. That's what they want to do. They wanted to beat the run game. Yeah, they were first in the league in, in running the football last year statistically. But the last half of the season, uh, really the last month at times, it just didn't have that feel. You know, there were times where they had trouble running the ball when they needed to and then they wanted to. Um, case in point, that's that uh, game against the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. They had the lead. They weren't able to run the ball. They weren't able to, to drive the ball after getting that fumble recovery by Miles Jack, and they had to go three and out and punt the ball. Um, so that's a perfect time to be able to run the football when you want to, when they know that you that you want to run the ball. Um, so you got to go upgrade it. So uh, they weren't resting on that number one ranking in, in rushing, not at all. Uh, they felt like it was a place to improve, and that's a good place to start is the offensive line and bring in a, a top-tier guard who right away should uh, upgrade that uh, front five, no doubt about it. So Leonard Fournette, uh, rookie last year, you know, at times he, uh, it, it, I mean, fantastic domination at times, and then other times he you know, was out, struggled some with some injuries. What are the thoughts around him with the organization? Is there the thought that he really is the guy who's going to be able to uh, carry a lot of the workload moving forward? Uh, yeah, he's the guy. I mean, you don't spend that kind of draft capital if he's not the guy. Uh, they're going to run him and run him and run him until – they either don't control his rights anymore or he's gone. You know, that, that's kind of how it works. He's the running back here, and he's going to get the, the, the workhorse carries. And, you know, there were times last year, yeah, early in the season, he had those big breakaway runs. The huge game in Pittsburgh was a huge statement for him and his Jaguars team. Uh, but later in the year, he had an ankle issue, and I don't know if he really looked totally the same after that. You know, he, he didn't quite have that burst that he had early in the season to, to break away and, and get those big, long, open field runs. Uh, now, I will say this, too. He was going up against eight, nine men boxes at times. So if they're stacking the box against you know what you're going to do, there's not a lot of room to be able to break through a lot of that. So the second half of the season, there was a lot of that. But that's where the offensive line comes in. Hey, you know what's going to happen. So you got to block it better. Uh, if you're Leonard Fournette, stay healthy. Um, and, and follow that line to uh, open space. And so, yeah, he's a guy. There's no doubt about that. Uh, now, the supporting cast around him might be a, a, a little bit different. Uh, one guy's going with Ivory out of here, but uh, other than that, yeah, Leonard's the main guy, and the supporting cast might have one new face, but that's about it. Yeah, let's talk about that new face, Corey Grant. Uh, is someone who seems to be in position to get a little more playing time. 
he was tendered at the second round level. TJ Yeldon is steer, uh, still there. How do you think the, the playing time is going to split between those two guys and what their roles are going to be? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, uh, Corey Grant just got paid, I think, nearly $3 million for this coming season, signing that tender the other day. So that's great for him, and he's a fantastic weapon. He's starting to find a little bit of wiggle in his game, if you will. Um, you know, he was all, when he first came to the league, he was a straight-line track-style runner. I mean, he could run in a straight line faster than anybody in the football field. But as a running back, as you know, uh, that doesn't really equate to success a lot of times. But as the years have gone by, the last couple of years, he's improved his game a bit. And you saw what he could do in the NFC Championship game. When they put him outside uh, and lined him up out there and threw the ball to him or ran him wide, that they didn't really have an answer in the first half for him, and they didn't go back to him in the second half. So um, that was a little bit of a wake-up call for what he could do for this Jaguars team. T.J. Yeldon is still around. Uh, remember, he was a second-round pick just a few years ago. And they like what he can do to spell uh, Leonard Fournette. So it's a juggle between those two guys. I wouldn't be shocked if Tim could draft a guy. I don't think it's 29th overall, mind you. But I think they'll draft a running back at some point and, and make that a, a four-horse race in the backfield uh, like, like they really want it to be. But, yeah, when you're paying Corey Grant nearly $3 million bucks, it's not just the running game. It's the special team's uh, ability that he brings in the return game and all that. And uh, for T.J. Yeldon, he's been a solid player. You know, it hasn't. I don't know if you ever live up to the hype. I mean, depending on your statistics, second-round pick, what you really expect, I don't know. Um, but there have been some times where he's been banged up some, too. I think he's healthy now, and he's a good compliment, at least, to, to what Leonard Fournette brings. Different styles of running backs, all three of those guys, really. You mentioned that last year, especially in the second half of the season. Uh, the offense was running against a lot of stacked boxes, uh, you know, that can happen if the opposing defense doesn't really respect the passing game. What, I mean, what what is happening with the, the passing game in Jacksonville? Allen Robinson is gone, and it, it's a move that makes sense. Um, they brought in Dante Moncrief, Marquise Lee is there, uh, Dee Westbrook, Keelan Cole. They brought in Austin Safarian Jenkins uh, and Niles Paul. Uh, what do you think of this wide receiving or th- this pass catching unit in general? Can we expect to see more from them this year? I think that's the hope. You know, they still are going to be a run first team. That's, that's what they're going to be. And then you you throw off the run, and they feel like Blake Bortles is a guy that uh, that showed at least last year he was able to do that in key situations and in key ball games late in the season and in the postseason. He was able to make big throws at key times, even when things weren't going well. Um, they, they relied on that. Yeah, Mercedes Lewis is out of here, 12th year, going into his 13th season. That's a big change, not only in the passing game, but in the run game. He was huge in the blocking scheme for the Jaguars offense. So he's gone. Safarian so Jenkins, uh, you know, he's had his off-field issues before. They feel like that's passed him by. So why not let him run around a little bit? And he's big enough. They feel like he can at least uh, be willing and block from time to time, and that's a, that's what this offense needs from the tight end. And the receiver crew is totally different, obviously. Alan Robinson out of here. Alan Hearns is out of here now. He just signed with the, the Dallas Cowboys, I believe, was announced earlier. So uh, th- those guys, four years ago, I mean, they were, you know, two years ago, they were huge pieces. They both had 1,000 yards in a season. First time that's happened here in a long time. Uh, but that's not the point of this offense right now. I mean, they feel like they can get by with um, guys that they're developing at wide receiver like Keelan Cole and, and D.D. Westbrook, who came on late in the season after an early season injury last year. 
And uh, they compliment him with a guy like Moncrief, who's been banged up in his career, but they feel like this could be a chance for him to, to finally get right. And with everything they're doing on the offensive line and the run game, um, they can they can get by with this group. And, and not only get by, I think they, they see the future pretty bright for this group. Now, it's not going to be a 4,000-yard passing quarterback this year, and that's not Blake Bortles, and that's not this offense. But uh, in key situations, I feel that uh, they feel at least that uh, this is the group that can get them uh, over the over the finish line and make some big plays for them. Can you talk a little bit more about D.D. Westbrook? He's someone uh, who particularly intrigues me. I think he was probably underdrafted in the fourth round, given the athleticism that he has and the production that he had in college. Uh, is there some sense that he could really develop into the lead wide receiver for the unit? Yeah, I don't know about lead. You got to remember when he was drafted, there were some uh, questions about his off-field issues. He had some uh, off-field incidents in Oklahoma and all this, and and moved into to OU after leaving community college and just had some off-field stuff uh, outside of that. Um, so his size, I don't think he's a number one guy. He's not 6'3 and 230 pounds. That's not him. They can run a 4-4. Now, he's quick, great slot receiver. I don't know if he's going to out-jump much of anybody, but if you get him the ball in a little bit of space now and he gets a little wiggle, he can go to the house. And uh, as, as he came on last year, you know, he's a very confident guy because he won the Blitnikoff award in college and all that. Uh, but he had that injury early in the season. It was a sport turning in, so he, you know, he was off to the side. And then late in the year came on, and as the, the games wore on, started getting more balls his way and making plays and uh, scored a touchdown later in the year. So, yeah, I don't I, – number one guy, I don't know. Uh, I don't I don't think that's, uh, that's DD's role here. That's probably more of a – at least for this offense – a Moncrief for somebody like that could step in. Kalen Cole could be that guy at some point, but he is skinny now. He's got to put on a little bit of weight to be able to to get off jams at the line and all that. But they like his speed and ability downfield to go up and get balls as well. So, yeah, Dini is a big piece of this thing. Don't underestimate that. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, he has that ability to, to kind of change things up in the wide receiver room and, and give you a little wrinkle that you really haven't seen here before. Yeah, I mean, when you you say upside, guys hardly ever really hit their upside, but I think he does have some T.Y. Hilton-esque type of upside. Like, if he were to be a a quote-unquote number one, I think it would be more in that T.Y. Hilton type of vein as opposed to the the prototypical big-bodied guy that most teams want. Right, and that's the thing for this one. There's really not a big-body guy on this offense. You know, even Alan uh, Alan Robinson was not that guy. He was, you know, tall. But he wasn't going to outrun you, you know. He was going to outjump you. He did that very well. Um, but they haven't really had that big body guy around here. So it's a matter of what you do and what you have, and how you put those pieces together. So him and Akila Cole together, and now Moncrief in the equation, who is a freak athlete, by the way, if he's healthy, one of the great testers at the combine and pro days when he was coming out in the draft. Uh, he's just been battling injuries. So he put those skill sets together on the field. And now you got something because a defense has to account for everything that uh, all these four different guys do. You know, top to bottom, and we haven't even talked about the defense yet, but but top to bottom, you look at this roster, and it really might be one of the most talented rosters in the NFL, which makes sense. It was it was one of the you know the final four teams left in the playoffs, um, but you know except for the the quarterback position, you know you look at this team and you and multiple times last year you thought if they had a different quarterback maybe they could win the Super Bowl. 
uh, it, it's not to say that, that Blake Bortles hasn't done well with what the team has wanted him to do. Um, but I, I think there are many people who question whether he is the long-term guy for that team. One, do you think he is the long-term guy? And then two, uh, do you think that the team will be looking to address the quarterback position in the draft? Uh, well, one, they feel that he is. So they gave him a three-year deal at least. Uh, now, there are ways out of that, of course, and you can finagle the contracts and all that, but they gave him a deal, and they got a great deal for him, and they did like what he was doing late in the season for this team, protecting the football, and they don't have to have him stand back there and throw the ball for 4,000 yards. That, that, that's the good thing about it. And they love his competitiveness. They love his uh, ability in the locker room to, to get along with He's got the whole locker room on the side. They love all that stuff, you know. And there are times, I mean, in, in the playoff games where he made plays that, uh, boy, this is fantastic. This is Blake Bortles, and, and this is the Blake Bortles you like. Um, I think the Blake Bortles of old ways, I think hopefully those days are, are for the most part gone. He's going to make some mistakes, but as the years have gone on, he's, he's started to limit those a little bit. Now, there's only one quarterback on the roster right now. So uh, first wave of free agency has gone by. Uh, second wave of free agency, how many real quarterbacks are out there? Blaine Gabbard ain't coming back to Jacksonville. I got news for you. So, uh, yeah, you're going to have to draft quarterback, and that's what this is going to be. Whether it's a 29 overall, whoever's around then, that wouldn't be a shock to me. Uh, but at some point in this draft, they're going to have to have a quarterback to be in here to uh, maybe not start this year, but to develop and be a backup and, and be underneath Blake for the next couple of seasons and see what happens, of course, in those next couple of seasons with Blake Bortles. So, yeah, they say he's a long-term answer. I believe him right now. But, you know, that doesn't mean that can't change in a year or two uh, if things go south. But uh, they got to the AFC Championship game with Blake Bortles as the quarterback, and a lot of other teams did not with other quarterbacks. You know, I'm so I'm just looking at this roster, and it is just so incredibly stacked. And then you have the the team picking near the bottom of the first round. If Lamar Jackson is there, do you think the team would would draft him? I mean, or or just a quarterback that they that they liked? Uh, I mean, who knows if they actually like Lamar Jackson? But it, it seems like he might be the quarterback who is there. But if there's a quarterback there, do you think that they will draft him? You know, let's put it this way. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I think it's a, 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 definitely a possibility. You know, I think it is a – they're going to get to that point. They're at the point now where they added another offensive lineman. Uh, they added a tight end in free agency. They added a wide receiver. So they've addressed three key needs already in free agency. So you're going to get to the draft. You don't have to do a lot on defense. You'd love to have a linebacker at some point because Brzezny uh, retired. You're getting to the point where, okay, you address your needs really in free agency. You can draft best available, um, kind of based on whatever needs you feel are left. And one of those needs that's left is a backup quarterback or a quarterback for later. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not going to call it right now. Obviously, and say they're going to pick a quarterback, but I think it could be a quarterback. I think it could still be a tight end. I wouldn't be shocked if it's another offensive lineman to start on the right side. Uh, and, and really bolster that front. That wouldn't shock me at all, hearing what Tom Coughlin says over the years about how football is made to be played in the trenches. Uh, so quarterbacks on that list, there's no doubt. 
looking at at the defense, you said at some point, obviously, it looks like they will probably want to take a, a linebacker, uh, but there's there are really no holes on that defense, which is incredible. With that first pick that they have, do you think they're going uh, to address the offensive side of the ball? With the first pick, I, that like I said, I mean, it could be, it, you know, if you asked me, Two months ago, three months ago, I would say, oh, of course, yeah, the offense, that's where it needs help, you know. The, let's go get some help right now because you didn't know Pazlazian was going to retire. You didn't know all the things that were going to happen on, you know, in, in the offseason so far. But now that the agency has changed uh, some of this, I think it's more of a toss-up than you think. Just by sheer numbers of, you know, kind of needs right now, I would still kind of lean towards an offensive pick, uh, depending on what's there. Now, if there's that linebacker that slips down that they really love, they feel can, can make plays. A guy like uh, maybe Evans at Alabama, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they pull a trigger at 29 on a linebacker and then figure out quarterback a little bit later. So uh, right now all options are open, and, and that's pretty much what they're going to tell you. <laughs> they're not going to give you much of a, of a heads up of what they're going to do. But uh, just kind of reading the tea leaves a little bit, uh, you know, yeah, th- that's definitely a possibility of linebacker, quarterback, I mean, for me right now, it's one of those two, at least in my opinion, only. JP, this has been a lot of fun. One last question here. Uh, based on what you've seen out of some of the prospects and then what you've seen out of the team under this new regime, um, are, are there any players, any prospects who are really standing out to you as kind of quote-unquote like Jaguars type of players that you could really see fitting in well with the organization? That's a that's a really good question, and that's a that's a for any defensive player, you have to to, to fit into this locker room in Jacksonville. You got to be a different kind of guy. Now, they will not take somebody who's going to go the wrong way and and not do things right. Um, so uh, to point out certain prospects, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I don't know a lot of these guys personally. So, uh, but you, you got to have that mentality, a winning mentality. You know, the other, the other week, Jalen Ramsey's at the pro day at Florida State. And Florida, he's always going to stump for his Florida State guys. That's what he does. But he knows what they've been through. And he knows how they react in certain situations. As does Kelvin Smith, he's a Florida State guy, too. Um, the Alabama guys. I mean, the, the guys that have been to the battles at, on a big stage in college and have come through year after year after year. I think that goes well, especially on the defensive side of the ball in this locker room. They're, they're not here just to get a paycheck and play around, uh, especially on defense here. They're about, they ought to go be the best defense in the National Football League. And if you're not on that train with them, uh, it's going to be a, a long handful of seasons for you here in Jacksonville before you move on to somewhere else. Now, offensively, hey, support that run game. Uh, if you're a tight end coming in here in a draft, you better be a willing blocker because you're going to be asked to do it. And if you don't do it well, you'll be gone too. So uh, that's priority number one around here. And uh, that's the way it's going to be. Run the ball, play some defense, throw when you have to off the run. Uh, it was a winning formula last year. Now they've added some pieces. And uh, if they're going to keep adding pieces, they better fit into that formula. All right, JP, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for all your insight. And we hope to talk with you again as we get closer to the season. Sounds good, man. Hey, good to talk to you. Appreciate it. We just finished speaking with J.P. Shadrick, a Jaguars beat writer for Jaguars.com. 
we covered a lot. Here are some thoughts on the conversation. You just look at the roster, and this team is so good. It it really might be one of the most talented rosters in the league, if not the most talented. Uh, there's not much to say about the defense. It was the best in the league. Um, you know, they created the second most turnovers. They allowed the fewest passing yards on a per drive basis. They were number one in the league in time, plays, yards, and points allowed to opponents. So, I mean, just incredibly elite with the pass rushing talent that they have and the ability to play man coverage on the outside with Jalen Ramsey and AJ Boye. Uh, and then with the linebacking unit that they have with Telvin Smith and Miles Jack, they really don't have a weakness. Earlier in the season, they weren't they weren't really all that great against the run, but after the midseason addition of defensive tackle Marcel Darius, they were much better in that regard. So uh, there's really nothing that they they uh, absolutely must do on the defensive side of the ball, except for you know continue to to add depth to churn. Hopefully, you know, maybe get a little bit younger, um, you know, add talent where where possible. But, um, you know, really a, a defense without, uh, you know, without any glaring weakness. And, you know, with the defense this stout, uh, you know, I guess the, the team can theoretically afford to play, quote unquote, complimentary football uh, and focus on the running game on the offensive side of the ball. And last year, that's what they did. Uh, they were first in the league in rush attempts and yards and second in rushing touchdown. Um, you know, they almost got to the Super Bowl. I don't think it's likely that they are going to change much, if anything, in terms of their uh, their schematic approach or their, their organizational mentality. Uh, you know, they went from a team that really performed like one of the worst teams in the league to, you know, a, a Super Bowl contending team. I don't really see why they would change um, just in terms of what their mindset probably is. I don't see why they think they should change. And so it's probably going to be more of the same this year. You know, they added left guard Andrew Norwell, you know, a, a very strong player. Uh, so they're building a strong left side of the line. Left tackle Cam Robinson struggled at times last year, but, you know, he was a rookie, a young rookie at that, 21 for most of the season. Definitely struggled. Uh, 37.6 pro football focus grade. Um, you know, one of the lowest in the league. But he has potential. So with Robinson at tackle, with Norwell at guard, and then Brandon Linder at center, he had an 84.7 PFF grade. That left side of the line could be really strong. Um, you know, and if, the, if that running game can get even better, um, they will probably imagine that they are justified in running the ball as often as they are. Uh, if they can run it often and then add some more efficiency, that's that's pretty dangerous. Um, the right side of the line isn't as strong. You have AJ, um, AJ Can. Yes, you have AJ Can at right guard. Uh, he had a poor PFF grade last year. Uh, he's in the final year of his contract. You have right tackle Jeremy Parnell. He was okay, but he's going to be 32 this year. He has only two years left on his contract. I think that could be a place with that 29th pick uh, in the first round where the Jags look to improve their team. Um, you know, there could be some good offensive linemen uh, available at that pick. And the offensive linemen in this draft um, who stand out are guys who have been hyped. I guess hyped is actually the wrong word. Um, who have been projected more to the right side of the line than to the left side. Um, 
is it a great use of a first-round pick to draft a right tackle or a right guard candidate? No, probably not. Um, but the team has so few needs. And, you know, with that pick, I don't think they're going to address any of the positions that they actually probably should address. So uh, I think right tackle, uh, I think that's a possibility for something they could do uh, in the first round. Um, you know, right guard, second or third round. But I imagine that they could look to improve their offensive line there, um, you know, with the top 100 pick, given that the running game is so important to them. And uh, you can kind of get away a little bit, I think, with taking a right tackle if he's a really good run blocker and you are very committed to the running game. I think they probably should look to address uh, with that first round pick, you know, some some aspect of the passing game. You know, they could look to upgrade upgrade wide receiver or tight end or, you know, maybe even quarterback, but they probably won't. Um, you know, maybe they will take a tight end. Um, in the the latest mock draft, I did a fantasy lapse. I had them taking a tight end, but um, in in a recent one uh, or the, the next one I'm going to have coming out, I think I, I will probably change that because uh, after cutting uh, Mercedes Lewis, they did sign Austin Safarian Jenkins and Niles Paul. Both of those guys are receiving tight ends uh, with upside, and I don't think they're going to you know address the wide receiver position. Uh, in the first round or even with a top 100 pick after they let the Allens go and then they re-signed Marquise Lee um, even after he really didn't have that great of a season. Um, you know, he's been there for four years, had really only one good season, and I don't know if we could really even say that was all that good of a season. It was just he wasn't the dumpster fire he had been for the first couple of seasons of his career. Uh, so they re-signed him uh, and they added, they added Dante Moncrief. Uh, so after the addition of those guys, and then, I mean, after letting uh, Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns go, I think that really shows where the um, where the priorities lie in the organization. Just in 2015, Robinson and Hearns both had 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns in, uh, in a season. Now they're both gone. Just, it, it is incredibly, uh, incredibly rare for a team to have two receivers in the same season with 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. It almost never happens. Uh, and then just a little over two years later, both of those guys are gone. I mean, if you have two guys like that, at that season, at that point in time, you are imagining that those are the guys you are building the franchise around. Two guys with 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. And then they're, they're both gone. Like, there's been a massive organizational shift, and I, I don't see them deviating from that at all. Um, so I think we're going to have more of the same, uh, given the team's relative lack of interest in the wide receiver position as a whole. So I think it's going to be Lee, it's going to be Moncrief, and then we have the second-year players, D.D. Westbrook and Keelan Cole. Um, wide receiver's pretty much set. I mean, they also have... You know, Rashad Green, Jalen Strong on the roster, although Strong is recovering from a torn ACL. But the point is they kind of, quote-unquote, don't need wide receivers. Although, I mean, I would argue that they do uh, and that their inability to function as even a league average passing offense is what has held them back or what held them back last year in the playoffs. Um, But I think they will look at at what they have now and think that they – they don't really need to improve much in the passing game. And of course that gets us to Blake Bortles, man. 
uh, based on the contract that Bortles got, JP thinks that Bortles is going to be the guy there for three years. Uh, it was a three-year deal, three-year deal, fifty-four million dollars, twenty-six and a half million guaranteed. Here's the thing: it's not, it's not a massive deal. It's a massive deal for Blake Bortles relative to what people anticipated he would be worth at this point in time two years ago, or you know, when he was basically a dumpster fire. So it looks like a lot, um, and it's theoretically a lot for him, but it's not a massive deal. And with the way that it is structured, the team really could move on from Bortles uh, a year from now without much financial pain. There would be some pain, but not much pain. Um, It would be worth it if they thought that they actually had someone who made their offense better. Um, One thing I should note is that when I recorded with JP, the team hadn't yet acquired Cody Kessler from the Browns. He is now the backup um, kind of entrenched there behind Blake Bortles. Uh, I don't know how much pressure, if any, he's going to be putting on Bortles. Um, You know, Kessler, it's hard even to say that he kind of quote-unquote flashed at times with the Browns because he really didn't, but um, he looked like he potentially could be a competent game manager. Um, And it seems as if that's sort of what the the Jags are actually looking for. So if at some point this season Bortles struggles, which it's totally within the realm of possibility, um... Kessler might get some starts. He's young. He's been in the league for a couple of years. Uh, you know, big picture, I'm somewhat doubtful that the team is really sold on Bortles as anything more than a, I don't know, like a would-be Joe Flacco. Um, but the, the team might not even care all that much if he, if all he is is Joe Flacco, right? Um, because that might be enough, given the defense they have and the running game, that might be enough for them still to win a Super Bowl. Um, but I, I think that mentality, that perspective is, um, is pretty inefficient. I think it's a big mistake if they are satisfied with having a quarterback who is merely Flacco-esque in his upside. You know, if the Jags had the ability to run less of a, I don't know, a 1980s Bears offense, uh, they could win multiple Super Bowls. You know, the, the problem the problem isn't just Bortles, you know, part of the problem is organizational and the way that the team wants to perform on a weekly basis, but Bortles is part of the problem and I think the team uh, has oriented itself the way it has because Bortles is the quarterback. I mean, man, if Lamar Jackson were available at pick 29, and I, I don't know if he will be, I kind of doubt he will be. But if he were, the Jags would be incredibly well-served in drafting him immediately and starting him. Uh, I mean, can you imagine Lamar Jackson with that team? Lamar Jackson with D.D. Westbrook. Um, I mean, as a rookie, he could probably do pretty close to what Bortles does now. And he would be a much better runner. I mean, an infinitely better runner. As a rookie, really, he really could do what the team asks of Bortles on a weekly basis. 
at least what they asked of him last season, right? And then Jackson has so much more long-term potential, right? We we know at this point what Bortles is. Uh, when the team is down and uh, they want you know uh, they want to sort of accumulate yards, he can do that, right? Um, if they want him to sort of be a whipped game manager. Uh, he can he can do that. Uh, I don't know if he can actually win games. I think Lamar Jackson has the the potential on his own at some point to take over a game and actually win it for the team. So he has so much more long term potential, and maybe just a little less um, production expectation in the short term. But maybe not. He actually really might, even in the short term, be a better producer for Bortles because he fits into that run-oriented system so well. Um, you know, hashtag Lamar Jacksonville. It just makes so much sense. It, it you know, it makes it makes so much sense that it probably won't happen. And again, uh, Lamar Jackson, he he might not be available at pick twenty-nine. If he is, I think it's a pretty big mistake if the team doesn't draft him. Um, you know, again, it's just so hard to know what this team will do early in the draft um, because there aren't any there aren't any needs that it's easy to say the team is likely to identify as a need. Um, so it's hard to know what they're going to do early. I kind of doubt it will be a quarterback. You know, again, probably more linemen to help with the running game and probably more awesome defenders, to, you know, to make that defense even more terrifying. But as long as the the passing game is is treated like a liability uh, and something to be hidden instead of a potential asset and something to be shown off, uh, I don't know if it really matters what the Jags do in the draft since uh, since I think that their primary problem is less about personnel and more about philosophy of what they want to do as an organization. But that's going to do it for this Jaguars-focused special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Be sure to check out the episodes for all the other teams on Rotoviz in the podcast feed. I'm Matt Friedman, Matt at the Oracle. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this special edition of Rotoviz Radio, the flagship Rotoviz podcast. Special thanks to Hassan Rahim, the producer for this episode, and to Colm Kelly, the assistant executive producer for the podcast channel. Please review the show on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. 
you get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.